I'm Mike. I'm Austin. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And look, you've guessed it. It's still Techtober. We have more phones. We have more gaming news. Everything is still in full force. I want to ask you first, before we yep. get to anything else today. I know where this is going. Are you still using the, the Pixel? No. Okay, you're back on the Z Flip. <laughs> I'm back on the Z Flip. Okay, what happened? Uh, okay, okay, okay. Look, let me just say this. The Pixel out of every phone I've used this year yeah. came the closest to pulling me away, right? Okay. I swapped my SIM over there. I was full on with the Pixel for a little over two weeks, right? Yep. In the same time, right, like all kinds of other phones are coming in, like the iPhone 12s in, didn't switch that. Like I was like, you know, you know what, like this Pixel, it's so good in so many ways. I really enjoy it. It's as sort of a little bit of a breath of fresh air. Yeah. But then, I don't know. I just, I pulled the Pixel out of my pocket and I looked at it and I was like, this doesn't fold. I'm bored. Okay. <laughs> that was it. That was the moment of like. I'm going to go grab the Z Flip now. It was literally that. Like, I love that 90 hertz. I love the the feel of that Pixel. I There's so much about that phone, which is so good in so many ways. Yeah. But I just I just missed the Z Flip, man. Like, that was literally it. I just missed the foldy boy. I missed kind of like the, the cool form factor. Like, it's a totally irrational thing, right? But I just looked at it like, yeah, this Pixel is flat. This is not exciting. I mean... In a, no, I don't mean this in in a derogatory way, but like the fold is a gimmick, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a it's a fun feature of the phone, but the gimmicks are there to be enjoyed. Yeah, and if you do enjoy it, which you do, which we both do, right? It's one of the things we love because it's just like look at this fun and weird thing my phone does. That can be something that you would miss. Absolutely, it's like there's the thing is. There are probably a half dozen phones that you can go buy right now that I would be 1,000% happy with and could easily use for six months a year. No problem, right? Like, there's Mm -hmm. so many phones that are good enough and check all the boxes for me personally. But the thing is, the Z Flip just is, it's just that that special sauce. I I mean, I feel like we're, what, 20 episodes in or whatever. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's been one episode that we have not talked about Z Flip in some way or another. Mm -hmm. And that's for good reason, right? I mean, there's just something about this phone that just is something a little special. It's a little different. So, yeah, I miss the 90 hertz. Yeah, I actually, there's a lot of the Pixel software stuff that I had, like Android 11 and whatnot, that I actually hadn't spent a lot of time with, which was nice. But uh, at the end of the day, I always have to come back. Uh, while we're talking about phones, um, I mean, OnePlus, unstop- just unstoppable right now. <laughs> Uh, but this is really interesting, though. So they have two Nord models that they've released, the Nord N10 5G and the Nord N100, weird names. They are £329 and £179, respectively. And these are the first Nord phones that have been confirmed to be coming to North America at some point. Yes. These are incredible prices. And honestly, the specs... Especially on the N10 5G, pretty good. So for £329, so let's just imagine it's probably going to be about $330. 5G, mm-hmm. 6 gigabytes of RAM, 128 gigabytes of storage, 6.49-inch screen at 90 hertz, rear-mounted fingerprint sensor, quad camera, with the good camera being a 64-megapixel main camera. I mean, you look at that compared to something like the, the standard Nord, 
there's a lot there. Yeah. I'm actually curious, how much is the Nord over there? Because we don't have it's any of the Nords price in the US. It's about that because they've reduced the price a little bit. I think it's, ah. the Nord is uh, $379, so it's 50 pounds more uh, than this hmm. one. And th- but that's uh, that one actually at the moment is not available. So that's the 8 gigabytes of RAM, 128 gigabytes storage. At the moment, the only one available on OnePlus's website is 12 gigabytes of RAM, 256 for 469 which again... keeps them, yeah. Still still good. I mean, that that... Uh, the the lower range phones of the OnePlus models that they've been releasing recently, like so the OnePlus 8T and the Nord have been selling, it seems like they've been selling really well because they keep going out of stock on the website. Interesting. Now the N- N100, that this is the £179 one, it's a sub $200 phone basically. 6.5 inch uh, display at 60 hertz, 4 gigabytes of RAM, 64 gigabytes of storage and the camera's Pretty garbage. It's a 13 megapixel main camera, but it's 180 pounds. It's nothing. Yeah. And especially when you look at, you get, like, obviously the N100 looks like the cheapest of the range, right? You got a little bit of a chin. It doesn't look quite as premium. No. But the thing is, well, it is because it's not. It's like (laughs) as budget as smartphones can be. (laughs) The thing is, though, like, you look at what you get there and you get a very clean build of Oxygen OS, right? You get a lot of those same features from the higher end OnePluses. And while, yeah, the camera, definitely my main concern with it. But I assume performance is going to be fine. It's got that big display, which, side note, I kind of wish OnePlus would bring out some slightly smaller phones. I always find that, like, with all of their, like, 6.5-inch plus devices... I mean, they're very clearly going to, though, Austin, because they cannot stop making phones. Yeah. Right? I I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the industry now is going to look at how well the Mini sells, the iPhone 12 Mini. Yep. And, you know, because really, like, Apple are stepping into an unproven market here. Like, Mm -hmm. they know that the SE sells well for them. But what we don't know right now is if a premium phone in that form factor can sell well. We don't know that yet. I mean, I am clearly biased in this area. I love myself a smaller, more compact phone. I'm very excited to get my hands on the Mini. But yeah, I just feel like these phones are great. And I'm sure that there's tons of market research that that 6.5 inch size is nice. But that was one of the things that brought me to the Pixel, right? Six inches, it was a much more compact size. And for me, I will happily give up a little bit of that screen real estate for something which is much more manageable in my pocket. So mm-hmm. the N10 and the N100 look great. I'm very excited to finally have the Nords here in the U.S. And uh, I may or may not be able to get my hands on it and take a closer look maybe for the next Doom episode of 400,000 products in the span of 17 hours for our next episode. Yep. <clears throat> That's going to be oh fun. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to think about that right now. And I'm going to dream sweet sweet dreams of, of the Nord N10 5G. Yeah, they got to work on that name, though. Yeah, not good names, N10 and N100. Mm-mm. Like, I don't Mm-mm. I don't really get that. Um, because the N stands for Nord, I assume. So it's the yeah. Nord Nord 10. But it's the OnePlus. So it's OnePlus Nord, Nord N10, N10 5G. I think they're just trying to be Samsung at this point. Oh, oh well, that's obvious. <laughs> right no like and but i don't think that that's a bad idea for oneplus but i think at this point it is very clear that oneplus want to be samsung they want to do it all 
which makes sense. And I'm really curious to see what the 2021 OnePlus line looks like, right? Yeah. They've obviously got the high end sort of locked up. They're doing a pretty good job of kind of hitting that sort of like mid-range. They're going into a fairly budget kind of place. I'm curious. Are we going to see smaller phones? Are we going to see maybe a folding phone? I'm really curious to see where they land on stuff going forward. Because clearly, yeah, what can they do cranking. at the very tippy-top end, right? Like that. Yeah. And that's when you're getting into, I mean, stuff that really only Samsung does. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wait and see. You know, speaking of building things, Mike, yeah, man. I saw on Twitch the other day, you had a little bit of a full custom keyboard build. Yeah, I'm, I'm into it, my friend. So like, we spoke about mechanical keyboards a while ago and that we were both becoming more interested in it. But since then, I have gone like full, <laughs> full on, full on. And uh, yesterday as we were recording this, oh no, a couple of days ago as we were recording this, uh, I built a uh, kind of like a base, like an entry level keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's called the Tofu 65 by KBD fans. It's like a, a keyboard that you can always buy. It's like always in stock. But this particular one inc- needed me to also solder the switches to the circuit board, like full on soldering project. And uh, it went great. It was a great success. I'm, I was very nice. pleased with it. How long did it take? Three hours. Oh, okay. Which is honestly like that's what I would have hoped in a best case scenario. That I thought it was going to take me way longer than that. I I, I was yeah. kind of targeting like five, um, but I think because nothing went wrong, mm-hmm. I was able to get it done in three hours. So I'm curious: is this the first step of your new custom keyboard empire? I think so. I have okay. lots of plans for different keyboard builds that I want to do. Um, and I'm really enjoying streaming them as well, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I've actually found that to be a pretty nice experience. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty into it, man. Like I, I've been having a great time with it. I mean, I've seen on Instagram, it looks killer. I don't think I'm going to go as into the deep end as you've gone. I don't, I'd like to try to build one for myself at one point. It's not that but, hard, you know. You could do it. Like, seriously, like, I, you could. Can you, you can sort of. I, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not amazing at it, but no, I, I've, not, I've done not, it in the that's past. Like, this is like the third time I've ever done it. Okay, okay. So, like, you could easily, easily do this. Like, it's not, a kit like this one is not very difficult to do. Like, basically, mm-hmm. I just, I watched uh, Teha, Teha Types. I watched a stream yeah, yeah. that he did of building a Tofu 65 and I just wrote down all the steps because there aren't any instructions. <laughs> the keyboard can't, like there's none. I couldn't, like they don't have any, like th- this company has instructions that I could find for some of their other keyboards but not for this specific one. Um, so I basically just like watched a stream which I love doing anyway and just wrote down his like steps and just got my own build order and went for it. What this is making me feel though, so like I'm super excited about um, building more keyboards. Like I'm, I'm going to make it a regular thing and doing more stuff in this. Like I'm really enjoying it and setting up a Twitch channel and stuff. Like I'm, I'm really enjoying this kind of thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's making me twofold wanting to build a new PC. One, hey. because now I want to build a PC because now I'm building more stuff. I want to build a PC too. And also... Mm-hmm. So I'm doing all of the streaming from my Razer laptop. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything's being controlled by the Razer laptop. But nice. I don't know. It's a little bit wonky sometimes. Like in a way that my gaming PC, like my actual PC at home, 
isn't like it, it mm-hmm. feels like it can handle a little bit more um yeah. and i think trying to do all this stuff from a laptop whilst it's working fine for me right now in the long run uh, i would like to have like a bigger display um so i can see like i can have more windows open streaming requires lots of windows right like to keep yeah. sure keeping on top of everything uh so yeah i'm i'm really like 2021 20, is my plan at the moment but like i really want to build uh, a new kind of small form factor pc which is leading me more into like which is why we've been i've been so keen from finding out everything from you recently about all the gpu stuff and i'm basically my plan is my first step will be trying to get a GPU. Once I'm mm-hmm. able to get a modern GPU, I will then start planning the rest of the build around that because I feel like that's the hardest thing to get right now. Um, oh, yeah. And I've decided <laughs> I, I want to go Ryzen again. Yeah, so yeah that makes I'll sense. be planning on going Ryzen 5, right? Because Ryzen 5 is the, the new top. Yes, right? Yes, Ryzen 5000. So that's where I'll be wanting to go there. And then I would, and, and I assume that, that they're not too difficult to get your hands on. I haven't looked because, you know, everything just we'll seems see. disaster. Oh, they haven't released them yet? They're, as of recording, not out yet. The launch okay. is very shortly. I, I'm not super concerned about it. Usually they have a good a supply of chips. I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be like day one, six hours after launch, they're going to have, you know, tons of stock. But Compared to some of the graphics cards uh, that we've had issues yeah. trying to find lately, I'm pretty sure if you're even a month or two later than launch, like if you're looking at like January, February, you should hopefully have no real issues trying to get your hands on them. So that's what I'm thinking of doing. And so then I'm wondering if there is a benefit in going all AMD. Mm. But let's take a break and then I want to ask you more about whether that's a possibility. Spicy. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Break up with your old wireless provider just got a lot easier. It's so much more simple thanks to Mint Mobile. They were the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, and now Mint Mobile is introducing their unlimited data plan for just 30 bucks a month. That's right, unlimited plan for just $30 a month. How much is your soon-to-be ex-wireless provider charging you? I bet it's more. For people that hate their phone bill... Uh, they're now ready for something new. Mint Mobile offers their premium unlimited plan for just $30 a month. They do this by going online only, eliminating traditional costs of retail, and then passing those savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Using your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan is so simple, and you can keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with the seven-day money-back guarantee. Austin, can you tell our listeners how easy it is to get a mobile plan set up? I mean, it takes literally a few minutes, right? You open the package, you put the SIM card in, activation is super quick, and you're literally on a super fast 5G network. When I uh, have my phone shenanigans of switching back and forth, Mint makes it super easy to make sure that there are no roadblocks in the way of getting up and running as fast as I can. So go try it out for yourself right now. Break up with Big Wireless and switch to Mint Mobile's premium unlimited plan for just 30 bucks a month. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for $30 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash testdrivers. That's mintmobile.com slash testdrivers. Cut your unlimited bill to 30 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash testdrivers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, 
there was a big press conference. This is one we're waiting for, where AMD yeah. were going to be showing off their graphics cards. Um, what is the is it Radeon six thousand series? Is that what it's is that what they're called? Yes, the okay. sixty nine hundred XT leading it off. Right. Okay. So I'm just going to start out this segment by, for not the first time, and certainly certainly not the last time, admitting I was wrong. Okay. I had pretty low expectations for this launch, if I'm being completely honest with you. Seeing how high NVIDIA set the bar for the RTX 30 series launch, I was like, okay, you know what? Seemed impossible, right? uh, Like, all the rumors seemed like the 6800 was going to be maybe like kind of a 2070 maybe or sorry 3070 maybe getting a little bit closer to 3080 kind of level of performance and that was it right and that would make sense because typically especially for the last few years andy really hasn't had an answer for nvidia on the high end but oh boy was i wrong because they brought the heat with this one what's going on is it pressure from the consoles like why? How are? I mean, I guess AMD is is helped in the fact that like they have had, I guess, the investment in uh, R and D through working mm-hmm. with Sony and Microsoft. I'm sure that has been a help to them, right? Where like they've been because of the fact that they are they're both supplying for Sony and Microsoft, right, for the new games console. So I'm sure that there has been some help from them from like a, a R&D perspective, a focus perspective, that they've been able to really, I, I guess, focus around gaming performance for a little bit more recently. But just these these gains, it seems so weird to me that both NVIDIA and AMD not only gained, but gained the same amount it, like yeah. it, it seems so strange. So it is. It is not. I, I just wasn't expecting it. Right. I yeah. mean, just AMD. Just they haven't really competed much in the high end. I know they had like the Radeon Seven. They've they've kind of dabbled a little bit. But I mean, just when it comes to the high end cards, you just simply haven't had a lot of AMD options. So the lineup now is it's only three cards at the moment, and of course these are all running like you said the same RDNA 2.0 architecture from the PS5 as well as the Xbox. So. A lot of that stuff that they developed for the consoles, like you said, is very much similar to what you get on the PC. Mm. But the thing is, these GPUs are massive. So starting out with, there's the 6800. It's $580. So it's actually a little bit of a weird spot between something like a 3070 and a, or, yeah, 3070 and a 3080. I'm going to run out of numbers here in a minute. It's, good. Um, it's not helpful, <laughs> is it? That they're all, no. like, Give them names, like memorable names. We'll just call like Bob and like Mary. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> help us out. Jeez. I mean, come on. You can't get your 6800 and your 3070 mixed up. I mean, oh, what a God. crazy here. So 6800 looks good. I will say the more interesting card for right now is the 6800 XT. It's $650. It is meant to go pretty much head to head with that 3080. So you're talking about very similar performance, very similar price if you can find one, and supposedly less power consumption, which is a complete flip of the script because typically AMD to compete with NVIDIA have had to really crank up the power aspect, right? You know, Mm -hmm. they would try to go a little bit cheaper. They might be a little bit less powerful. But to get that to that point, they would throw tons and tons of actual electrical power at the cards. They would run hot. Sometimes they would run loud. You usually had those trade-offs. This time around, again, this is before I've had hands on it with the card, you know, grain of salt, et cetera, et cetera. But it looks like that 6800 XT is meant to go head to head with 3080 
straight up, no gimmicks, right out of the gate, which is really exciting to see because that 3080 is not a slouch at all when it comes to gaming. And 3080 is the mid-tier one, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Then you get to the big boys. So on the NVIDIA side, for context, there's the RTX 3090. The most ridiculous, they call it what, the, the BF GPU. Um, it was just $1,500, stupid overkill levels of performance. And right now, the absolute king of graphics. However, AMD has a, they have an argument for it. It's not quite clear how they're going to compete, but this is the 6900 XT. So they claim it has slightly better performance than the 3090, but I think this is very much them cherry picking a best case scenario. It seems like they've maybe cranked up things. They're talking about something like, like rage mode, which sounds like a bit of an overclocking thing. Like, I think it's a best case scenario that this is going to be better than the 3090. But guess what? It's $500 cheaper. This is a $1,000 graphics card compared to $1,500 bucks for that 3090. That's crazy. That's yes. crazy. Five, that's a whole 3070 cheaper. Like, oh my God, man. Yeah. People lost their minds when this thing... And, like, look, again, I wasn't expecting this. I was like, okay, 6800, okay. Oh, 6800 XT. Pretty good job, guys. Wait, what? Wait, what? How fast is that? How much is it? Are you kidding me? So, yeah, that's very exciting. Um, <laughs> I feel like... I feel, so, all right, let me ask you the question, because I don't know, right? Like, this seems logical to me, but I don't know. Would there be a benefit to me if I was going to go with a Ryzen chip to go all AMD? no okay not really it should be the same so like right now so one of the things that they were doing which was again making the 6900 xt look as good as possible they're talking about their test bench was amd it was like powered by you know like ryzen like 5000 it was sort of like the best case scenario you shouldn't see any real difference like the ryzen chips look like they're going to be the best gaming cpus by all sort of measurements at the moment again before Tests and embargoes are up and everything. But on paper, they look really, really strong. Um, I think you will be completely fine going AMD or NVIDIA. There's not a lot of synergy between using the AMD GPU and CPU in the way that there is on some like AMD-powered gaming laptops or obviously in their like APUs in the consoles. It's a little bit more of a disconnected experience, which is fine because you can pick up whichever card you want and it should give you very, very high levels of performance no matter what you're actually doing on the Ryzen side. I mean, I do prefer the way that the NVIDIA Founders Editions card looks to the AMD card and every other card that I've seen. But yeah. as I've been finding recently, it also seems almost impossible to get those. And it doesn't <laughs> seem like that's going to change for a while. Oh, boy. I have stories about trying to get your hands on graphics cards. All but, right. uh, the Before before we move too far on, I just want to just okay. mention, so 6800 and 6800 XT are actually coming out pretty soon. So November 18th. Wait, that's wait, that's after Hell Week, right? Uh, yeah, that's after. That's after Hell Week. Hell Week is the week of the ninth. Wait, is it the ninth? Okay, yeah. okay. I, yeah, I don't know if I got really mentioned this on the show or not, but me and Austin have dubbed the week of November 9th as Hell Week because it is the week in which both games consoles get released. Plus, there will be uh, two new iPhones at the end of that week. Plus, potentially some other stuff. It's going to be a, this is like just a bananas week. We're going to record a show that week too, because it just (laughs) seems like we have to. 
<laughs> just to get like through it. Yeah. So regardless, uh, 6800 and 6800 XT are slightly after Hell Week on November 18th, and the 6900 XT is actually also pretty close. It's uh, December 8th. Now, as with all of these things, getting your hands on them are probably going to be pretty difficult. But Mike, mm. we are recording right now. It is just past 9 a.m. where I am right now. Okay. I have spent the better part of the last 24 hours in and out of Micro Center, our friendly local sponsor, for the launch of the RTX 3070. Okay. Now, this is a card that got announced before. I know we've talked about it. So the 3080... This got delayed a little bit, didn't it? The 3070? Yeah. So originally, this was supposed to come out a couple weeks ago. So they launched the 3080 and the 3090, which obviously, before we saw this AMD stuff, they looked phenomenal, clear no-brainers, right? But the launches were... um, how should I put this? Uh, not well handled. Um, Suboptimal. Yes. I have a couple of other more colorful choice words, but I'll, I'll, I'll hold that for now because I don't want to make Jem pull out the sensor beeps. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. here's the thing, right? The, the 38 and 3090, NVIDIA did not make enough. There were a lot of issues, and there were, specifically at the Micro Center, there were over 100 people in line for what ended up being like 18 or 20 cards. Or and not just people in line for, you know, a couple hours. People in line... For days. Mike, can you just put yourself in the headspace of sitting, camping outside of a store for a day, two days, maybe even longer, just to find out that you didn't get anything out of it? Yeah, I've never done anything like that. and It would kill me. I, I, the most I've ever done is uh, like iPhone lines, like back mm-hmm. before you used to be able to pre-order. Like I, like, you know, like you could like pre-order and put a collection in. Like right. back in the early days, like I would go to a store at like six o'clock in the morning and stand outside for three hours, hoping there'd be one in the store for me, you know, that's yeah, the most yeah. I've ever done. I know. And I, I used to do that a little bit. I remember I stood in line for like the iPad two. I remember that was, but it was like, you know, a couple hours, right? Yeah. The hype for these cards is so high. And it's also compounded by the fact that NVIDIA stopped making the 20 series cards, right? So if you've gone into most retailers or online or whatever, you haven't been able to get any kind of high-end NVIDIA card, period, for yeah. a while, right? Yeah. So the 3080 and the 3090 launches went poorly to the fact that there's a line at Micro Center pretty much every day of people hoping to get, uh, you know, two, three cards, whatever actually happens to show up each day, right? Like, this is nuts, right? So for the 3070 launch, they held it back, and they claimed that it was because they wanted to get more stock in. So we're like, you know what? We love Micro Center. They're a great sponsor of the channel. Let's go and check out what the line experience is, right? So Kyle from Bitwit, he did this video on, I think it was a 3080 or a 3090. He did a video where he did a very similar thing. He went to go and interview people and the stories were wild. So, okay, you know what? We're gonna go check this out. So this is yesterday. We go to Micro Center, we show up. I have never in my life seen anything like what we saw at Micro Center. So we've got a video, it very well may be up by the time that the podcast is live. But Mike, as someone who I was at Micro Center two hours ago before we recorded this, I can like, okay, let me me walk you through this process. All right, okay. You show up and there is a guy at the head of the line with some clipboards and a like one of those like erasable marker things. Uh He is the line master. Okay. Oh. <laughs> the line master is the guy who showed up first. He grabbed his clipboards and he ran the line. They have a whole set of rules. Wait, they have whoa, a whoa, whole whoa, system. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. The line master doesn't work for Micro Center? Oh, no, no, no. The line master is the dude who showed up first and then people started showing up behind. So the thing is, 
the way that the previous launch has been had been handled, it almost sort of like formed as like a democratic system of people like realized that they wanted to like set some rules, oh set like check-in times, all this kind of stuff. And then this guy, he was there first. He's like, oh, I guess I just need to do this. Apparently there's like a whole discord. So like a lot of people are communicating, but basically- Of course there's a discord. This is completely run by the community, okay? So here is the way this is working, right? So the guy, when we showed up yesterday, so mind you, we show up, I don't know, uh, 36 hours before the launch. Mm-hmm. He has been there for over a day at that point. There were, I think, something like 50 people who were already there and more people were sort of coming in throughout the day. So essentially, when you arrive there, they put your name on the list or the line master puts your name line on the master. list. Yeah, yeah. Every three hours, he stands up in front of the store on like one of those planners and he calls out people's names, right? So some people were waiting there just for the 3080s and the 3090s, just hoping that they would show up. No guarantee whatsoever, but... Like 40 people are there just hoping that they might be able to grab a 3080 or a 3090 if FedEx shows up or something. And everyone else was there for the 3070. So every three hours, you have to be there at the store. He calls your name out. If he calls your name out three times and you're not there, off the list. Goodbye. See you later. Dude, this was the wildest experience I've ever had. Because the thing is, because they have that three-hour gap, People didn't actually have to be there the whole time. People were chilling in their cars. People had like tents, or not tents, but they had like like chairs and stuff. People were sleeping. Like people were doing all kinds of stuff. And every three hours, it goes from being like, oh, there's like 40, 50 people kind of hanging out to all of a sudden there are like 200 people crowded around the front of the store as the line master reads off names. I was not prepared for the, the, the level of like sophistication of the line. Everyone was so well behaved. Every time there was a, huh. a, a check-in, there's a half dozen people who just didn't show up. They got struck off the list. One of the guys took that line, made a Google sheet that's shared with everyone. So you didn't have to walk up to the front and see what number you were. You could just check on the sheet. Dude, this was nuts. That's wild that it's so democratic like that. Yeah. And it's like everyone was chill. Everyone's hanging out, having a good time. Like, it's not like, you know, you see the videos of Black Friday and people like shoving each other and stuff. It was none of that, right? People weren't line jumping. Everyone was very like respectful. So we went there just to huh. shoot that, right? Like, honestly, we went there because we wanted to go and, you know, talk to some people in line. That was going to be our you whole thing. You had video. no idea you were walking into the line master <laughs> situation, though, right? <laughs> I knew that there had been something about like rules and stuff from like the 3090 launch. But I didn't know who the line master was. I didn't know any of this stuff, right? <laughs> so we're there. We're there for most of the day yesterday. Yeah. And it's getting toward the end of the day. I'm like, okay, you know what? I think we'll be good. I was kind of going back and forth. Like, you know what? Yeah, I'll probably show up in the morning and kind of see like, you know, oh, them open the doors. That'll be the video. And Ken's like, yo, I'm just going to stay. I was like, excuse me? So Ken completely spur of the moment decides, you know what? I'm just going to stay in line, try to get a card and see what it's like. So 5 p.m. yesterday, Ken posts up in line for the next 13 hours to see what it's like to be in line for the 3070. So is that so for him to have gotten one, he yep. needed to show up 13 hours before. That's like the only way it would have worked. So with 13 hours to go, he was number like 103 in line. Right. So yeah. Uh I don't want to spoil the whole video. Um, let's just say Ken got his card. Mm -hmm. Uh, I came back and forth. I like brought him like a chair and blanket and food and stuff. Uh, I was there early this morning when the whole, like the line was there. Uh, there were over 300 people in line this morning and everyone got a card. Micro hmm. Center actually got a ton of stock in to the point this where- this is the 3070, right? The 3070. Right. So at least at the Tustin Micro Center, 
you could probably walk in. I mean, it's like I said, it's nine o'clock in the morning. You could probably walk in right now and just pick one up because they got hundreds of cards, way more than the 80 cards that they had gotten with the 3080 or something. But I will tell you, the whole experience was a trip. I am, as soon as we're done with the podcast, can go back to editing this monster video of just the interviews oh. and like talk with the people. Like there's this guy, he literally, last night, he put, he put, tucked his kid in bed, got in his car, drove to Micro Center, slept there overnight to be in line so he could, when his son woke up, he could bring him back a graphics card as a surprise. Heck right? yeah. So many stories. Like everyone, like everyone was chill. Everyone was cool, but everyone had these crazy stories about what they were doing. I talked to this one dude who's a reseller and he was explaining to me like how he resells the cards and why he's here and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, it was such uh, a- He's the villain of the video. Look, look, man, I, I'll be real every for a second when he told me needs that. A villain. Every, every good story needs a villain. Every good story needs a villain. He was such a nice guy, heel, though. Like, yeah, and he was but totally. Like, come on. Reselling? I know. No. I know. Look, I know that by including him in the video, people are going to hate. But, like, I you should, like, like, blur it <laughs> and, like, give him a voice changer. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the worst idea, actually, in hindsight. I haven't finished editing that part. But, yeah, man, the 3070 launch was hands down the most insane experience I've ever had when it comes to tech. Seeing that many people there, seeing that, seeing that many people there for so long, yeah. and it eventually ends up working out for everyone, and everyone got the card. There are a couple people. Uh, the line master may have been a little bit uh, tired after being up for like 72 hours with, you know, standing up and shouting everyone's name, hundreds of people's name every three hours. Like, it was crazy. But Ken got the card. We got a lot of great footage. I'm very excited for this video. And the RTX 3070 is out. I haven't actually plugged it into a computer and tried it yet, but uh, we got it. Or specifically, Ken got it. Yeah, I'm thinking for me, I'm probably going to try and get the mid-range of either NVIDIA or AMD. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the right move for me, right? I don't, I don't need to go top, top of the line, and I don't think I want to go for the entry level either because I will want it to last many years, like maybe more years than most people would keep a graphics card for. I guess. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. That's fun. Though. So I think 6800 XT or 3080 seems like probably the move then. Yeah, I'll try. Basically, my I think my path will be like, which one can I get first? Yeah, yeah. Look, man, the 3070 surprised me at how easy that was to get. But the 3080, you know, weeks on after launch is still impossible to get your yeah, hands on. I check on. every day. Um, yep. And you it's gotta not, go get in not line. happening. I'm not going to. Pack I'm your bag. Do that. I'll stand on Move in. Accident. <laughs> I'm in no rush. I'll just. I'll just <laughs> say goodbye wait. to Adina. I'll see you next week. I gotta get my graphics card. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird, weird world we live in. <laughs> yeah. This episode of the Test Drivers is brought to you by the Intrazone by Microsoft SharePoint. If you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, the Intrazone is a bi-weekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related technology can work for you and how it's working for many others. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field, so you can see how SharePoint could fit into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, 
knowledge, and applications. Every single episode covers a bunch of different segments, like they have some news and announcements, they have a focused topic with guest perspectives, FAQs, and upcoming events. Just so you can have an idea of what to expect on some previous episodes that I've been listening to, they've discussed working from home, which is relevant to so many of us right now, figuring out how an intelligent internet in your organization can really kind of help boost things. And they also did an episode recently talking about APIs and Teamworks, which you should give a try. Uh, one of the episodes, this one's really cool actually, is focusing on how uh, the Special Olympics in Canada have been working on how they can basically move things digitally now. Um, so that's like a really interesting use case, how they moved away from other tools, moving into looking at SharePoint and, and Microsoft tools as a way to focus their whole organization. So that's like a super interesting uh, guest case for how this stuff could be done. And that's what I, is really cool about the show, actually, is they look at different organizations, completely different types of businesses, and you start to see how some of the issues are exactly the same, no matter what type of work you do. So go and listen to it now. Just search for The Intrazone wherever you get your podcasts. That's I-N-T-R-A-Z-O-N-E, or just click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to The Intrazone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support for this show and Relay FM. So I feel like we are kind of going in a circle at the moment like over the last <laughs> few episodes where it's like graphics cards and then what's happening in games consoles yeah we're doing it again because another round of embargoes is up i feel like there have been like 20 <laughs> embargoes for the games consoles you should see my calendar right now <laughs> i can't even imagine but the the one that we actually have that's different this time is playstations in the mix so yeah buddy everything's been Xbox, right? Like, as we spoke about, it's like Microsoft's great press strategy throughout the last couple of months, like lots of staged embargoes. But now the PlayStation 5 unboxing is up. Uh, so as I've watched a couple of videos, uh, Marquez, I Justine, uh, I have those in the show notes if you want to go and watch them. I mean, look, the thing that is the most striking, this is a very big console. It's big. It's, it's big. Oh, yeah. It's big. We knew it was big, uh, but it's like seeing it in context with mm. other things, it's a this is a this is a very large games console. But it like, does look cool though at the same it time. It does, yes. I, I will 100 percent agree, right? So the thing is with the PlayStation 5, we've talked a lot about some of the reasons why it is the size and shape that it is, right? Obviously, Microsoft went for a very different design with the Series X. And it's a more compact design, right? I think it's gonna fit in a lot more people's homes, but also it's a black box it's boring compared to the playstation 5 right like yes, depending you on your dish. aesthetic choices absolutely you got a little dish on the top and other than that it's a black box the playstation 5 i think there's a lot more style to it i love the textured finish that you get which you also have on the controller if you look really closely you see all of the playstation uh square and circle and everything like it's it's a cool design right and i'm also really happy to see that the disc version of the ps5 doesn't actually look bad. I was a little concerned because when you look at the like the renders and the the stills that they had given us to us at this point, uh, it, it looked like the digital edition was much nicer, right? Because it was tapered, it was very symmetrical. But when you look at the standard PS5 with the disc drive, I don't think it looks bad at all. You don't even really notice the little kind of hump for the disc drive on the bottom. No, it's it's making me uh, because for some reason I don't know why. For some maybe they just think this will be the one that will sell the most. Sony have been sending out the disc version to people. Um, mm -hmm. which is intriguing because like objectively the digital version does look sleeker but anyway they but i'm pleased that they've done this so we can actually get a real sense of the console that most people will have 
Um, and it's making me feel a little better about the fact that I couldn't get the digital one. Yeah. No, I, I mean, look, it's a better console, right? I would rather have discs than not have discs. You don't lose anything, right? Besides another $100, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you know, one thing that actually did surprise me, so um, I, I put a link in the show notes. The Verge did some side-by-side comparison photos. And I've also seen this in some videos too. When it is standing up, the PlayStation looks so much bigger than the Series X. But when they are <laughs> laying down, it doesn't. And I think yeah. it's because the Xbox is deeper and wider. Or like wider, maybe like I should say. When, it, when they're horizontal, it looks mm-hmm about the same size because like, it's like the volume of the consoles right it's kind of interesting yeah yeah and i, I mean look i know uh, i mean specifically talking with the the microsoft team a few years ago they actually went in they did a study they went into a bunch of people's homes they made them sign i guess a million ndas and they measured like their their sort of setups they brought yep. a bunch of like early early prototypes uh i assume just like sort of like mock-ups but they tried to like fit it in where people already have and they sort of settled on, oh, okay, this will fit in, you know, whatever the percentage of people's homes are. But the PlayStation, I think it's different because I think it's so wide that a lot of people are probably going to have to stand it up because I yeah. don't think it's going to fit in most TV cabinets. But that being said, I think most people are so excited for a new PlayStation, they'll probably move some stuff around because whatever. It's not ultimately the end of the world. For me personally, like uh, with the way I have my TV cabinet at home, I don't think I would want to put any games consoles in it. Like, I have my PS4 Pro in there, and that thing just, the fans scream. Mm -hmm. That console hates being in that cabinet. Uh, And so I think these days, like, these things are too powerful that unless you have a lot of airflow, like, here at my studio, I'm going to keep, I'm going to have my Xbox here. I'm going to get an S, but if I had an X, I wouldn't mind because the the cabinet that I've got is actually all open. It's just like wire, yeah. right? Um, it's, it's an IKEA thing. I'm sure you've seen. It. I think you actually have it as well, right? I think I saw it <laughs> at your studio. It's like yeah, a very yeah. similar kind of aesthetics. It's like airflow is super simple, um, but for my home cabinet, like I just don't think it's going to work. So my plan is to try and hide the PlayStation behind the TV, which I think a lot of people will do, and I think it actually work pretty well. Um, yeah. But I think putting that thing inside of a cabinet anyway. Is, is probably not a great move if you're using a traditional TV cabinet. If you have something that's larger scale, maybe something that sur- is more surrounding, it would be good. But but then the problem is, like, I don't know how well the PlayStation is going to fit in a lot of home interiors, like we spoke about that before, but I guess you just get used to it. Um, I'd say, yeah. like, I think it's really cool, actually, that they include the stand that you can put yeah. it on horizontally because I don't... I mean, they definitely should, but I could see a world where they did wouldn't, you know, because mm-hmm. they have they have always had si- like stands for the to put these consoles on the sides, but you have to buy them separately. So the design of the PS Five just wouldn't like you cannot it lay work. it down. Yeah, you have yeah. to, you have to, because it will just wobble too much. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it looks cool. Uh, you got your hands on a uh, DualSense controller and yes. smash that thing into pieces, huh? <laughs> so yes, I did. If you're an astute viewer, you may have noticed I may or may not have... uh, It it works now, but I may or may not have taken apart a controller. Um, So, yeah, okay, basically here's the deal, right? So the DualSense is a major upgrade, right? Full stop. There's a lot about that controller that I really like, and there's also a lot more that will be tested soon. Um, I did a few things in the video, so I unboxed it. I took a look at the actual controller itself, stuff like, you know, like the pattern... 
um, which I think is interesting. I like the size of the controller. It's a, it's a lot larger than the previous DualShock. And then there are some other things that were kind of surprising. So I plugged it into a PS4, and it sort of detected it, but it didn't really quite work. Um, there's actually some people I saw who have actually plugged it into a PS3, and apparently it works. Mm. I don't know how well it works, but I think that's super interesting. Um, what's interesting is on the box, it only says it's meant for the PS5, but I was also able to sync it up with the Pixel, and I was actually able to play an Xbox Game Pass game because I'm a troll, and it actually <laughs> worked really well. There's definitely a lot of good support for Android sort of baked into that DualSense controller. Does it connect to iOS? Did you try that? Like, Does it register as a Bluetooth controller? I actually haven't yet. I assume it would, though, because mm. it... it it worked so well, like on Android, like, I mean, the PlayStation yeah. button functioned as like the home button. I could scroll around the interface. Like, I mean, it was just as good as a DualShock 4. So I would be surprised if it doesn't also work on iOS. Uh, from some of the hardware, uh, some of the people that have had the hardware, I don't really understand what Sony's embargo is because like, <laughs> it seems that games journalists have been able to talk about using the system Mm-hmm. And it seems like the YouTubers that I've seen have only been able to unbox it. So I don't really, it seems like some kind of staged <laughs> thing, like that, that different people are allowed to talk about it. They're, anyway, but yeah. some games journalists that I follow have been t- saying that like the controller is like the biggest deal with the whole system. Like the adaptive triggers and the haptics apparently are very interesting and feel very good. So I'm excited to try it out because I've been a bit, I'm apprehensive, honestly, about the triggers. Um, so like I, I do suffer with some RSI stuff in my hands. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little bit concerned about the controller fighting back uh, against me. And like, I, I don't know what that's going to feel like, but I am very excited to try it simply because there seems to be a lot of uh, talk about how good the controller feels and how kind of yeah. next-gen it feels. I would be shocked if there's not some kind of option where you can tune like the sensitivity down or turn it off altogether if it causes problems. Oh, I would hope so. That's a good point. That's a good point. Like, I mean, it feels like a very like obvious accessibility thing mm-hmm. to like still get it, but it be maybe at a lower level. Yeah, yeah. I Look, I'm very excited. I really can't wait to put everything through its, its paces soon. But I think the main thing that really jumps out to me is just the size. It's a more comfortable controller, right? The DualShock 4 always felt a little too small, especially as someone who like plays a lot of Xbox Shock controllers. 4. I don't like the DualShock 4. It's fine. It's not I, I for it like, me. It really is. It's too, um, it's, too, it's too small. Yeah. Yeah. And I much prefer the Xbox controller because I feel like I've got something more substantial to hold on to. Same as the uh, Wii U, the Wii U, the Switch Pro Controller. <laughs> the Wii U Pro Controller too, I guess. But the Switch Pro Controller I like more than the DualShock as well. Just because like ergonomically, I find it more comfortable. Um, and then the DualShock 4, I, it's not it's not my bag. Yeah. Well, I, I feel very confident mm. that you will like the DualSense a lot more. But that's not the only thing in the game console world because now we have now unboxed the final retail units of the xbox series s and the series x we finally done the fourth and final (laughs) unboxing of the xbox (laughs) i genuinely like i feel for content creators that are doing another (laughs) xbox video like at this point uh like i don't i don't know how i mean i my hat is off to all of you because i don't know how you're able to continue making these videos interesting, but you do it. (laughs) 
Well, thank you. Because at a certain point, you've run out of things to talk about, right? Because there's only so many things, right? But I have lost track of how many Xbox videos that I have done between the main channel and this is this year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's you get practice. You kind of get good at repeating the same lines. My favorite, favorite, favorite thing about the Xbox packaging is that it has Halo on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there yeah. isn't a Halo game? Mm. Oh, it's so fun. It's yeah. so, I feel for them. Did you see that they uh, they let go of the guy who was running the studio? Mm-hmm. Look, man, I just think that the announcement and the, the demo of Infinite Gameplay was a disaster. It was an absolute unmitigated disaster, yeah. It, it just didn't look good, right? Like, no. and I know we talked about it before. And like, the the game looked like an Xbox One game. And if this is your big next gen showcase, and that's what you get, like, look, I'm sure you play the game. You know, it's gonna look great, blah blah blah. But like, that demo just looked so basic. flat. It looked it so basic. Yeah, yeah. And like, for the thing that's supposed to sell Xboxes, I'm not surprised that they kicked it off. I mean. We remember, like, they didn't give us a release date. Like, this is just next year. We could easily be looking at a full year delay for them to spice this game up. I look at Cyberpunk. Oh my! God. You saw the Cyberpunk news, right? Oh, yeah. I feel for that. I feel for them. It's just yeah. like, please, a couple more days, please. <laughs> right? It's like, <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. That, that, but that's where we are right now, right? Like, yeah, there's a lot going on for these for the game development companies. You know, it's yeah. it's not just two games consoles launching simultaneously it's trying to deal with like COVID restrictions and stuff like it must be mm-hmm. an absolute nightmare yeah and I mean you look at Cyberpunk it's coming out on Xbox One S X Series S Series X PS4 PS4 Pro PS5 and it's also coming out for PC yep coming out for Stadia I mean that's that's a lot of copies of yeah. what I'm sure it's is an enormous difficult. game to get sorted all across the board. Man, I hope it's good, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, if Cyberpunk sucks, I'm just going to be done with 2020 for real. <laughs> That's the final <laughs> like, straw. I mean, I'm pretty close already, but if Cyberpunk lets me down, I don't know about that. But yeah, so we're very close, right? This is really the home stretch. In fact, actually, wow, you're, I just realized this is our last podcast of the year before these things are out in everyone's hands. Yep. The next time we talk, we're you're actually you'll have the Xbox at least, right? Yep. And then the PlayStation, I guess, is a week after. Until we come, wow. yeah. That's crazy. It it's been such a uh it's been such a year. Such a lead up. Yeah. There is this funny thing though, where like for my Xbox, I don't know what games I'll have to play. Well, not Cyberpunk. Not Cyberpunk. Uh, That's that was my plan. I was gonna play so yeah. that was gonna be my first game. I mean, maybe Watch Dogs Legion, which I wasn't interested yeah. in, but I've got a, but it's in London and I kind of want to be in that environment. Like the last two Watch Dog games, I was underwhelmed by. Yeah. But it could be fun as like even just to like get in a car and drive around in that environment. That could be fun. Like, cause I know mm-hmm. with the PlayStation, like I know there's a couple of games I want, right? Uh, which is Spider Man, Bug Snacks, which is free for uh, PlayStation Plus, whatever they call it now. Um, so, that just seems like a weird game. Uh, so, like, I've yeah. got a couple there that, like, I know that they're like going to be day one games. But I guess, I guess, what I will definitely do uh, with my Xbox is just try out a bunch of Game Pass stuff. Yeah, dude, that's that's the move, right? I think yeah. that's the power of Game Pass. Of just like, there are a lot of games that I would never look twice at because I got it on Game Pass. I'm like, eh, all right, fine, whatever. I'll download it. Yeah, I'm just going to jump into a bunch of stuff. 
you know it's funny so i probably shouldn't say this but i just say it anyway um i've had xboxes the new the new xboxes for a while right i've had x uh, i've had stuff that maybe i may or may not have taken home look i've had a lot of time with these xboxes Mike, you know what I haven't really done with these Xboxes much? Like played any games? I haven't really played a lot of games. No. <laughs> just no, just been looking at them, unboxing them over and over again. Okay, look, look, look. Counting I've the done a lot of videos. I've done a lot of tests. I've done a lot of benchmarks and load times. Um, yeah, I haven't actually played a lot of games. You played yet. a bunch of dirt. I, I keep seeing the dirt. Same, <laughs> I played the same level of dirt so many times. <laughs> I know why I you play that one though, right? Because it is it's gonna look good at 120 and it like, does. you know, and, and it does look like a fun game. Like you've influenced me. I will be downloading dirt and playing that because it's like, well, Austin's yeah. played it a thousand times now. I should guess I should have a go of it myself. <laughs> there is a funny thought where like I did just think I was like, oh, I should get a a game on disc so I'm not waiting for stuff to download. And I'm like, oh no, I bought the digital one. Mm-hmm. Right, so like yep. I'm just gonna. I mean, I'll, I have good internet, so it won't be it won't be too bad. But like any game that I want to play, I'm gonna have to wait. I'm gonna have to just download it, probably on a day where the servers are gonna be slammed. So I might not be playing <laughs> Xbox games on launch day. It might be the day after. Oh, I hope not. But yeah, I mean, I, I will say all these games are big. Although because you have Series S, the downloads actually should be a little lighter. So like the One S versus One X, the the Series uh, S of the games yeah. are optimized. So. I, I, I don't know exactly how much smaller it'll be, maybe like 20%. But I mean, a lot of these games, I could tell you, are very, very, very large. Mm. So uh, I guess get your popcorn ready. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, you know, I'm not in any rush. I, mean, I assume that they do something like uh, some PlayStation games do too, where like you can, you wait an hour or two and you can play some of it. Yeah. And then the yeah, rest absolutely. of it downloads. Yeah. So I'll just play that, that version of that. I mean, I get, do. Okay, so here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Can you do xCloud on a console? No. Now you see? Not yet. <laughs> then I would have just made everything easier for me, right? <laughs> because then I could play at least that same 10, 20 minutes of Forza I've played 50 times testing out xCloud. Uh, I could just play that on the Series S waiting for the other stuff to download. That's an interesting move. Yeah, I don't know what the move is with why that's not on console yet. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about even like a streaming stick and of course you mm. can play on your phone. I would be very surprised if the Xbox One and Series X and S don't get some kind of version of xCloud. Mm. But I think that it's just rolled out into sort of the full release. And as of right now, and I don't know when this is changing, I know they've talked about it, but as of right now, xCloud is still Xbox One. They don't have Series X hardware in the cloud or realistically they don't have series s hardware in the cloud yet that is absolutely going to happen and they've been very clear about that but i think it may be a little while longer i almost would be surprised if it's like you know next e3 if it happens that's when they go okay and guess what x cloud we've got series s hardware and you can play it on all the consoles you have right now but for now i think they want to sell people on the s and the x and they don't want to distract them by oh yeah your xbox one oh yeah you could play series x games on it through x cloud i think that would probably be a step too far in trying to get people to upgrade to this next gen 
This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is or how effective your marketing may be, if people come to your website and it's too slow, they're going to bounce. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experiences so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your site is going to differ depending on the browser they're using or the device and even the platform. So you want to identify how people are experiencing your site so you're able to make informed optimizations to deliver a great performance to everybody. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution. This is something that is built for scalability and it will mean that you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data and breaking the bank in the process. You don't want to do that. You want something that is scalable and cost-effective, and that is what Pingdom offers. You can get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM, and you'll get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout to get a fantastic 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. All right, my friend, let's talk about the iPhone 12. Oh, yeah. There's an iPhone this year, there's isn't a, there? There's, a, there's not an. There's four. <laughs> four iPhones. We only have two of them to talk about today. And they're the two that sit right in the middle. Uh, mm. I described this on, a, on a, another show that I do as kind of like, these are the baseline phones. These mm. are the like what these phones have. All the other phones have these features. It's like set in the stage for what the iPhone 12 line is about. And then in a couple of weeks' time, we have the Mini and the Max, where those phones have things the other phones don't have. They're different mm-hmm. form factors. Uh, they have some, especially in the Max, has some different features. Um, yeah. And you know, I'm sure many people will call the size of the Mini a feature of its own, right? Whether that's your thing or not. So that's, I think that personally, I think that's where we're going to find the real interesting stuff. But mm-hmm. we still have an iPhone, two of them, in fact. You have both of them. I do. Okay. What so, colors do you have? So we have blue and super blue, or I don't know, whatever they actually. Which call one it. do you call super blue? I'm interested. The twelve. The twelve. 12 so is super because blue? the twelve is gloss. Yeah, the twelve is gloss, and the twelve Pro is matte. Um, yeah, the the twelve, the glossy twelve is it it blue. It super blue. Very blue. Yeah. <laughs> that was my official review. Which which blue do you like more though? Oh, I definitely like the Pro. I like the matte finish. The Pacific um, blue, right? Is what it's called? Pacific blue. Yeah, it's a really nice blue, right? Uh, so basically, the my thought on sort of the, the differences, so obviously the 12 and the 12 Pro, super similar hardware-wise. And honestly, there's not that much difference, even outside of just like the physical dimensions. But I think one of the things that's interesting about it is the way they kind of do that alternating matte versus gloss. So the 12 Pro has a glossy stainless steel band around the the sides. Mm. It has a glossy camera bump, but then it has a matte back, whereas the standard 12 flips that. So it's got aluminum, it's matte uh, sides, and it's got a matte sort of camera bump, but it's a glossy back. I definitely wish it was all matte, to be honest with you. Um, but I really don't like the the how glossy the sides are on the the 12 Pro. I definitely would cover that up because it just it's a fingerprint magnet. But regardless, I think both phones look good. And they're flat-sided. What? It's almost like we're back in 2012 again. I love mm. it. You you spend a lot of time with a lot of phones in a lot of different form factors. How do the flat sides compare not just to other iPhones, but other Android phones? 
because this isn't a thing that I can recall as like a trend at the moment. I don't think most no. phones have like completely flat sides, right? I could not tell you the last time I tried a phone with flat sides. Hmm. I honestly think it was probably the the SE, the original SE. I don't right. think there's been anything with that's this flat in a long time. So there's a couple of things. There's a reason, I guess, to lead it off. There's a reason why companies don't do this anymore. It makes the phone feel thicker, right? So even right. though the iPhone 12 line is thinner than its predecessors, it actually feels thicker because when you're touching something that sort of has that nice rounded shape, it sort of tricks you into thinking that it's a thinner phone. Whereas when it's you know squared off on the edges, you feel every millimeter of that thickness. Now, I will say that the return on that is that it's a very premium feel and you're obviously there maximizing every little bit of the internal real estate. Um, I, I'm actually, I can see both sides, right? I have not been the biggest fan of the iPhone 10 generation design. I think uh, the, I like the pro line more than the, the 10 on the 11. Um, but it always just feels a touch generic to me. Same thing, to be fair. I really, I mean, I think you look back on like the iPhone 6 style generation, that's probably aged the worst. But I always look at the 4 and the 5 as kind of like the, the pinnacle of iPhone design. I think this gets a lot closer to that. So there are, of course, a lot of other things that come with the phones. But I mean, look, I'll be completely real. I want a mini and the, the 12 is bigger than the 11 Pro, which I was already kind of like, okay with that size but when you get into something like the the mini and how much smaller that is i'm gonna be so all over it i feel like it's been pretty obvious that the mini would be where you were gonna go to right just Mm -hmm. it just seems like what you wanted yeah but is there anything from the plus that you would miss sorry from the the pro that you would miss going to the to the to the mini (sighs) um I mean, telephoto is nice, but I don't have a telephoto on the Z Flip. I, I mean, I use the telephoto on the 11 Pro once a month, maybe. It's not that big of a deal. The main thing that I was concerned about, about the, the decision between going for a standard and a mini on the iPhone side this year, was what was I losing, right? Right. Um, I'm not losing 5G, exact same. I'm not really losing much on the camera unless you want to go up to the Pro Max, which, to be fair, I'd love the Pro Max camera, but uh, that's about uh, a giant no on my list of that phone is four times bigger than I want to carry. So it's not really that hard of a decision. Uh, Spending time with the 12 and the 12 Pro, they're very good, competent phones. But because I have the basically the same screen, right, on the mini, uh, I don't have to sacrifice the resolution. I don't have to sacrifice specifically the frame rate, which again was one of the things where if those Pro phones had, you know, ProMotion 120 hertz, I would have been all over them. I just don't see a huge downside in going to the mini. It's a smaller phone. There's less screen real estate. But without having tried it yet, I feel pretty confident that that is going to be a trade-off that I'm going to be okay with making. What about the cameras on these phones? Have you spent a lot of time with it? I mean, obviously, the biggest change on the on these is the video stuff. You are a video mm-hmm. guy. Yes. So what has been your experience so far? For some context, we use the iPhone a lot to capture photos and video, right? So I would say the majority of the thumbnails for the channel are shot on iPhone, right? All the stills for that. And we use a lot of video. In fact, Ken, when he was at, uh, you know, Micro Center waiting in line, he live streamed from the iPhone camera, front and rear facing camera in the middle of the night with just a little bit of light in the parking lot. And it was fine, right? I shot a good chunk of that video on iPhone, right? Where I didn't have time to pick up the camera. I would just whip out the phone. These are, these are tools that we use on a very regular basis to capture content because they're absolutely good enough, right? 
So when it comes time to look at the 12 and the 12 Pro, the video, generally speaking, is the same, right? You're not getting a huge difference, which makes sense because while the processing is slightly improved and you get a slightly wider lens on the main camera, for standard video, it is very similar. Where it differs is with the HDR implementation. The thing is, um, while it's nice to have the 10-bit HDR to work with, it's not easy to work with, right? So generally speaking, most editing software cannot properly handle it at, right, at the moment. Right. You can do workarounds. So for some of our footage, we had to run it through DaVinci Resolve to actually bring it down to the SDR color space. Now you can turn off HDR and you can turn off obviously like all the Dolby Vision stuff. But it's, it's on by default, right? It is, yes. And if you're not paying attention, it'll look fine on the phone and you can transfer it out. But then what the phone will do is if you shoot it in HDR and then you like airdrop it to someone who doesn't have a, an SDR display or whatever the case is, it will transcode it down and you will lose quality, which is obviously not something that I really want to do. So until Final Cut gets the update, which specifically for us to support it, and I think we're probably going to have to update to Big Sur as well. So that's going to be a whole thing. I just plan on using the iPhone like a standard non-SDR device. I like the idea of having 10-bit. You know, that's something that all of our cameras, if we can shoot that higher sort of like level of compression, I guess technically lower level of compression to get all that extra data, that's always great. But the nice thing about the iPhone is we never shoot the iPhone to be the best looking video in the world, right? The iPhone is always the tool we use when we have something that's super last minute, we need to shoot in an area where it's not cool to bring some big camera, whatever the case is, that's really where the iPhone shines. And while, yes, I'm very excited to have that HDR video and I'm excited to have that higher level of quality, but even with the best firmware updates in the world and Final Cut being able to support it and everything, generally speaking, it is not as easy to work with HDR stuff. We certainly don't master our videos in HDR with a couple of exceptions that are you know a couple years old at this point. So I guess that's a really long-winded answer to say the video is basically the same with the potential of being better based on how well the HDR implementation is in apps such as Final Cut for us. 5G? I don't care. No. It just isn't. A th- <laughs> it's just not. You know, it's a feature, right? It's a feature the phone has. It's not a big deal. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm happy it has it. I mean, mm. obviously, it would be a complete non-starter for any major flagship at this point. I mean, I bet carriers wouldn't even carry it if they don't have 5G. It's fine. Uh, it's a little bit faster, and I don't really care, right? I mean, I think if I was traveling, if this was a normal year, I think I would care about it a lot more. I think in normal situations, when I'm you know out and about, I use my phone to tether a lot. I you know have to upload video files and stuff like. But in normal times, I would be using five G a lot, and I would appreciate the speed. Nowadays, I live ninety five percent of my life on Wi Fi, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, it's nice, but yeah. Battery life? Mm. Okay. So it's not amazing. Okay. Um, so I will preface this by saying that I actually haven't switched my daily over mm-hmm. to the 12. We did a lot of content on it. We did a lot of testing on it. But uh, I actually have still stuck with the 11 Pro, which maybe should tell you something about what I think about the uh, year's upgrade. But um, it's fine. I would say it seems to be based on how you're using 5G, either roughly on par with the 11 and the 11 Pro. And I think in whenever you're actually using 5G, you're probably losing a good hour or so. It's kind of hard to, to, to judge exactly. But the 5G definitely impacts that battery life for sure, especially if you're really leaning on it. It mm-hmm. does suck up more juice. 
it's still okay. I think the thing is, last year, the 11 and the 11 Pro set such a high benchmark for battery life yeah. that I, I'm spoiled now, right? I'm used to that, like, oh, I'll charge this thing a little bit in the car every day, and then that's pretty much all I need to get me through a whole day, right? Like, I mean, the, the battery life on the 11 is so, so good that even a slight regression, I think, is it's noticeable, right? It's, 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 it's fine. Like, so that's the thing with the 12. I like the hardware. But it's not a major upgrade over the 11, right? If you're coming from a 10s, I think the camera is going to be like a massive jump or anything older than that. The camera is going to be really, really noticeable. If you're coming from a phone, you know, pre-iPhone 10, right? If you're coming from something that didn't have an OLED, you're really going to notice that. But if you're coming from a 2019 iPhone, there's not a big difference, right? You do like I did a speed test, right? And one of my tests in the graphics tests the phone wasn't even really faster, right? It was a little bit more consistent, but some of my my results were actually faster on the 10, 11 Pro compared to the 12 Pro, right? So it's like, it's a complicated phone this year. And I think that this is probably the easiest iPhone to skip, in my opinion, if you're just looking at the 12 and the 12 Pro, not talking about the mini or the max yet, but it's probably the easiest iPhone to skip that we've had in quite a while, which is not really what I expected going into this generation. Hmm. I don't know, I mean... What, what do you feel about it, right? I, I think I'm a little pessimistic. I'm certainly, I can feel myself in like the overwhelm mode of like iPhone, Pixel, Xbox, PlayStation. Like it's just, it's all over the place. So I, I can tell that I'm not really letting these pieces of tech impress on me the way I usually do and really kind of spending more quality time that I wish I had. But how do you feel about the 12? Like, are you amped for the 12 Pro Max? Do you think it's a good upgrade? Uh, I'm just, where's your head at on everything right now? So I've only spent a little bit of time with the 12 Pro. My wife has one. Um, okay. And I really like the new design. Uh, mm-hmm. For me personally, like, you know, I buy the phones every year, right? And it's not even just my work. I would do it anyway because that's the type of person I am. I'm sure lots of people listening to this show are in a similar boat. You know, whatever technology they love the most, they will refresh every time they can, even if the mm-hmm. changes are incremental because it's the thing they care about. And performance and design are two things that I will always be interested in. And I think that these new phones look fantastic. Um, yeah. You know, and... And I would also say that, like, if you're even coming from an 11 Pro to the 12 Pro, the bigger screen size is, I think, really interesting. Like, I like the Max phones, but I think I could very happily use the 12 Pro. I think it's hit the screen size level that I would consider, like, as a person who likes bigger phones, like, that it's in that category now. Mm -hmm. Um, And... You know, I've I've played around with some of the camera stuff. Uh, there are definite improvements I can see at low light, which is great because that means indoors, mm-hmm. and I'm taking a lot of photos indoors these days. Um, I really like the fact that they've brought night mode, like night, night. It's called night mode. Yes, night sight is the it Google is, yes. one. They brought that to the other cameras. Night mode portraits are really cool. Yeah, like, really yeah. cool. Um, so like they, they, they have a very interesting look to them and I've taken some video and side by side with my, uh, my 11 pro, I can really see a difference in the color and obviously the display lights up differently, right? Like that's, it, it's like the two prong oh, approach. It's not the just, HDR yeah. lights it up. And, and it, I think it looks fantastic. Really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it the most exciting year over year upgrade? No. Um, 
But I think for some reason, I'm not sure why, because I've fallen into this trap myself when talking about them. I think that the new design is being overlooked because that is something that people always want from their phones. And it's not a like groundbreaking refresh, but I think it's enough. Now, my thing is I haven't had one of these phones that I'm using every day. So I haven't mm-hmm. been able to really fully form my opinion on the design change. Like I see it at home and I like the way it looks. I, tr- I you know, I play around with it every now and then, but I haven't lived with one. Yeah. Because I'm waiting for the Max. And frankly, like I am really pumped for that phone because I am mm-hmm. hoping out and like holding out for that camera sensor being bananas good. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to hear you talk about the design because I think the reason why I'm not that, I mean, I like the design, don't get me wrong, but I'm not that blown away by it is because it feels like it's like a, a half step over the previous, right? So from the front, yes, you get a slightly larger screen. The notch is still there. Yeah, I guess there's a little bit less screen bezel maybe, but from the front, very, very similar. You flip it over to the back, again, basically the exact same camera and sort of everything looks like pretty much the same, even coming down to the idea of like the matte versus the the glossy glass on the back. Like, that's all very similar. The only real difference in, in the design is just the edge in the frame. It's just mm. not tapered anymore. And I think that's part of the reason why it just doesn't feel like a massive jump because it's just like, oh, it's a little bit more squared off on the sides. It looks a little bit nicer, but everything I touch and feel regularly besides just the edges of the phone are pretty much the same as I've been using for the last year. <laughs> 